0: Today, I'd like to welcome our guest, Kamlin Pham. Welcome, Cam. Thank you for being here today. As we learn um, from Kamlin's story, she uh, is going to be speaking with her story today as she moved from Vietnam to America as a five-year-old and just what her journey of being an immigrant through her childhood and into adolescence and adulthood and really the journey of, I guess, the journey of discovery and curating a life that's authentically yourself in the context of your immigrant experience, which was really unique for you, but also a shared experience for many. So um, I really welcome you and thank you for being here today and uh, look forward to hearing your story.
1: Thank you so much, Mohammed and Trina, for giving me the space and time to able to share my story. My story is not a unique one, but not many have this opportunity to be able to speak about it. So I appreciate you both for allowing me to open up my narrative to others. Uh, And I really feel the inspiration from you both too. So as much as you are elevating your guests like myself, I'm sure you have done a great job at elevating them too. So I'm really excited. A little bit about my story is I came to the United States a little after my fifth birthday. My mom is a single mom and my dad had passed away due to a tragic incident right before so he couldn't come with us. But my mom and um, two kids came over to the United States and her background is not one that's a privilege at all. She sold tea in the outdoor markets and saved a lot of money and you know did her best to be able to take us over here to the United States. And so growing up, it was not easy. Um, Definitely, it was really tough. Do
2: you remember like Vietnam, like the the smell of places, the sight of the sounds, school, like how life felt back then, like at home?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I actually don't have that many memories about Vietnam, but I do have sort of like flashes of scenes like, I remember running to my dad's house to ask for money to buy candy. And I remember the road of what my house looked like. And so when I returned to Vietnam in middle school, I remembered the way home. And so that was, it wasn't anything that, it, it almost felt like instinct, you know. And and so I do remember being in the market with my mom being outdoors, just sitting on these wooden planks and as she was selling uh, all sorts of tea, and that's pretty much about it because I pretty much only spent four years there, and I would say half of that I was a baby, and infant, and did not remember. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because you do remember when you first got to, was it, did you land in, in California yes. right away? Like, did you go straight to California? Yes. And so if I asked you, do you remember, like, when your first days in, in California, you'll remember that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I do. Yeah, I I landed in LAX. And I remember I still remember that moment. I was almost scared. I did not recognize all of these people who looked so different. Even the attire looked different. And I remember just seeing all the cars and all the big buildings and that felt really overwhelming. I remember coming um, home to well, home <laughs> to my uncle's place, and that was where my family and I were living for um, some time. And my cousins, these three boys, opening that door—that was like, that was like the first time I got, I, I got home, and they were all looking at me like, "Who the heck is this person? You know, what is she doing here? Why does she look so different?" And I still remember that to this day. It Do was they
2: say like, um, what <laughs> is, what is like a fish does not know water until it eats air, right? So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, ask you about, do you remember Vietnam? You're like, no, not that much. But like, right away, you know something's different when you land in L.A. So yeah. it, you, you knew it in another way. You just, you had some sort of reference point. And did they really think that, what is she doing here? Or were they just curious now, you figure?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I I think that was my first time experiencing culture shock um, at five years old. But my cousins, I mean, I'm sure my aunt and uncle might have told them, but knowing my aunt and uncle, <laughs> they're probably just like, hey, your cousin's going to live with us, and probably didn't tell them much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get there, and, you, well, it's nice that at least you had family uh, that you could see that, that that kind of made this strange place with strange people look a little familiar to you. I mean, that, was, that must have been at least, at least a little bit, soothing right to have
1: yeah i think it was um a little familiar but not so much because i didn't speak english and my cousins all spoke mostly english and they were also all boys and uh, my cousins are also mixed um, hispanic and so yeah i think that the food really brought us together and being able to practice our traditions and cultures we have holidays that are especially for for API and for Vietnamese Americans. So being able to be surrounded by all those things did bring us together. But ultimately, not so much, you know, they watched American TV, which I didn't understand. They watched uh, wrestling, which that is not, uh, you know, my choice of (laughs) entertainment growing up as a child. So I think that I did my best at trying to fit in and blend in with them. And I still have photos of me back then, celebrating my sixth birthday and I was dressed like a boy I had like almost it was if you saw that picture
0: you would crack like hand me down yes <laughs> yes and <laughs> oh my gosh I was just like
2: <laughs> yes, hey, not yes
0: I was like who <laughs> let me wear these
1: things <laughs> who dressed me like this and so I think I really tried I think growing up uh, especially the first uh, couple of years I really tried to to fit in with my boy cousins <laughs> And it was not looking cute for me.
2: Well, <laughs> hold on a second. When, when you got there, you were five years old, right? Um, and already you're starting to notice these are the first signs that you're noticing that it's different, I'm different, or like, wh- how, how, how are you like interpreting it at that point in time? Were you, lo- were you looking around uh, and saying this is a different place, or was it a question of fitting in and belonging? And it could have been just with your cousins, like you said. Uh, forget about the rest of L.A., <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, so I I think it was both. I, I definitely knew that I was in a place that was not what I'd been used to. I knew that it wasn't what I had been calling home. I mean, America is just so drastically different from Vietnam, um, especially since back then it wasn't so globalized. And so I... Even at a young age, i I knew um I'm in a different place now. And I think at that time, um, I didn't recognize that, you know, I was trying so hard to fit in to feel accepted by my cousins. I don't think my brain fully comprehended that that I was trying to change myself visually or the way that I talked or, behave to try to feel accepted by these group of boys but that was it definitely
2: well when boys or anybody really in groups uh that move in groups they have tend they tend to have a culture amongst them or something in common and they don't necessarily even i think sometimes consciously try to tell you that you need to change or you need to you don't belong or that you're different it's just it gets picked up right so what What sort of things would you say, like just looking back at that, I guess, five or six year old that you were back then, that kind of hinted to you that you needed to make a change?
1: I remember, you know, when my cousins would be sitting down watching cartoons or TV and I would try to sit down next to them to be able to watch it too, even though I didn't really understand what was going on, they would change the channel. (laughs) They were all so mean. (laughs) And so I was like oh my gosh, like, what do I have to do to feel like to be accepted by these boys? You know, they're just, I like them now. We have great relationships now. We've all grown up. Yeah. But I've told them before, like, you all were so mean back then, you know, but they were young kids and I don't, I don't blame them. Um, But eventually it did, uh, it did get better. And I think it just took time. But for sure, with, I feel like with me, that was sort of what, was the origin of feeling like i needed to change myself or like i want i crave feeling accepted and feeling like i was a part of this group and blending in you know like i stood out like a sore thumb with my group of boy cousins and so i i think truly think as soon as i landed in lax that was where um the feelings of i'm so different and i'm foreign and i needed to fit in that was where it like originated
2: I call them signals, right? Like we get these signals from either people or groups. And by the way, it doesn't just happen with kids. You know, we know uh, it happens in adult groups, friendship circles, cliques, whatever you want to call it, where it's like, even if there is no difference, there's some signal sent to you that, listen, you want to be a part of this. You need to do this to get your buy-in, right? Um, And you've got to, Earn, like you got to do something to earn to belong, even if you're all the same. So, so there are these signals that are sent. And what I'm wondering is, I, I love what I love about kids' perspective is that they're so, you know, they're so simple and so easy to understand. So, like, when I would ask, like, what's a type of signal would you say, right? That 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 would that that would be sent to you to say, you need to do something. Like, we're not doing something. We're not going to change for you. Yeah. You need to change for us. What, what's a signal or what are the kind of signals that you would think? And they come at an early age sometimes, but they're all the same. What would, how would you describe those signals or what, kind of, what would you call a signal or signals? Whether you had maybe landed off the plane and people are just looking at you maybe curiously that you don't belong. You know, what are the signals that you would say kind of started standing out to you?
1: Yeah, so aside from my cousins changing the TV channel every time I sat down, the kids, you know, in in my um, early elementary school days, due to lack of communication, because again, I didn't speak English, uh, I probably didn't speak English until I was in second grade, uh, that made it really hard for me to connect with my peers. And so they didn't really see uh, me as much of an investment because they couldn't communicate with me. And so Uh, feeling isolated, you know, the kids not hanging out with me during lunch, not playing with me during recess. I'm sitting down, having lunch, not really having many friends around me, feeling like I needed to force myself into a a social group already, a a social circle. Um, Those were some of the things that were signals. And then also when it came to activities that we had to do with a partner, it was always tough trying to partner with somebody else. Because again, my language wasn't at where I needed to be in order for these kids to feel like they wanted to become my friend and to work with me.
2: So it's, it's amazing. That's so powerful that at an early age, we understand dynamics of groups and the collective. So even when they are, even if we had never known what a group was before then, and the teacher says, okay, get into groups. And then you're learning to think there are groups, but I'm not in one. And then you're asking, well, why am I not in one? And then you start realizing that, oh, I'm not in one because such and such things. Like, I, you know, I don't speak the language. We, we, we can't communicate as easily. But I find, um, I don't know, Trina, if this is true or not, but there's a reference to that. I think that that's reference to a past where you did feel like you fit in. So you talk about what you remember is going to see your mom at the tea market and just running around where you felt comfortable where everybody spoke the same language right away and you fit in because of language Uh, when i asked you earlier on do you remember anything you're like i don't have many memories but then you're using references from your past did you remember having many many friends that you would feel the need later to have many friends for example when you were young in vietnam did you have many kids running around you were you part of any social circles
1: so, I don't know if I was part of many social circles, but I do remember my birthday. I did have a really big birthday one year, and I did have a lot of family and friends surrounding me. Um, and I still have photos to be able to remember that time. And I think that really helps, too. I also remember like being like vaguely being in school. Um and I think part of that was because my teacher was so mean. <laughs> they definitely were so strict uh, back then. and, yeah. And so I I remember how she made me feel. So I think when I think back of like my early childhood years, um, there's not a lot of of memories or scenes I can recall, but for sure, emotions spark up uh, yes. when I think about how people made me feel. Oh,
2: absolutely. Um, I think, you know, they say people forget what you say, but they remember, you know, I can make them feel. And it's interesting, like you you talk about a mean teacher, like we've all had one mean teacher, right? Or somebody who's strict. That feeling is one kind. But when peers walk away from us, when people kind of like who we think we should belong with walk away from us or don't accept us, it's a whole other level of, it's another kind of feeling or another kind of pain, isn't it? Yeah. How How do you start at that point in time identifying that these are the whys, like these are the reasons that they don't. That I'm not accepted, because that's the early formulation of the solution to fit in, right? Yeah. Um, what was the process you started using to decide, well, these are the things that caused me not to fit in, right? Obviously, communication was one. What else was there? Um, you said with your, your cousins, like, you were the girl, like, they were the boy, right? Yeah. And we talked about, like, the world, how it's sometimes a man's world or, like, these ceilings that are put. These are all, like, signals that we get. So when did you start figuring that these are the things that I'm going to decide on changing?
1: Yeah, so I I definitely took notice of my environment. You know, I took notice of those who didn't want to hang out with me or feelings of isolation um, during recess times, And then also my academics were not going well. And that was because, again, I didn't understand English, so I couldn't do my homework. Um, And that was also another indication that i was not um, succeeding you know i was not speaking english and so this is why i'm doing so poorly in school and so that drove me to even practice more english and to drop, it it motivated me to learn how to speak the language better so that not only i so that not only i can communicate with my peers but also to be able to do well in school as a student because that meant a lot to me um, at a very young age, I knew that my mom and sacrificed everything so that we could have an education here in the United States. And so yeah, I was very much a, a wise child um, beyond my years. And so I took academics really seriously doesn't mean that I did very well. <laughs> but those are some indications. And then also, um, visually, I looked really different. You know, I'm, I'm Asian, and my classmates were mostly Hispanics, whites, and um, some African American, but I was probably the only Asian kid in my class. And so even in elementary school, so up until sixth grade, I I grew up in Anaheim. And so in that school, I was still one of like a couple uh, Asian kids. And, and I remember trying to befriend the other Asian kid. And he was Vietnamese. I remember trying to befriend him because we were the same, but he said to me, we're not the same. I was born here. And wow. I, re- yeah. And so being ostracized, even by your group, that's a, that's a really painful feeling. And, um, and so it was, uh, it definitely is something that stayed with me for a very long time. Um, but yeah, those were some indications. And then also during recess, you know, the kids would just not want to hang out with me and would call me Chinese. They would like make up Chinese words and sort of say that to me. And I'm like, I'm not even Chinese. (laughs) So there were quite a few things that made me realize like I needed to change myself so that I can be liked by others more.
2: You know, um, when I first came here, as you're saying this is the same kind of stuff. So people would look at me, for example, back then, Trina, they'd be like, Paki, we, that was the word that they would use here, I guess is a short for somebody who's from Pakistan. um and I'm like, I know what it means. I know what you're calling me, but you know you're like i'm I'm from Africa, man like, but okay, I also noticed just how much bigger everybody was than I was. and when i when I came over, I'm like this little this little kid, this little rut, and everybody around us is bigger. and so when you're around bigger people, when you bump into them <laughs> or sometimes they'll bump into you to let you know that you know like this is your space and i'm in it <laughs> right and uh, yeah. and then we're taking over do you have any of those kind of like experiences as well like just like just being pushed around so some some of them are emotional yeah. some of them are verbal cues um were there physical cues as well where people are like okay you talked about somebody who you consider to be your own i had the same thing i mean oh gosh indian people with indian people or as i would say to keep it simple sometimes we're like the harshest on each other for this exact reason Do you do you have any other cues were there physical cues where people will be pushing you around or just bumping into your stuff like that
1: so so luckily there were no physical cues but um i remember the staff and teachers not believing in me when i would say when i would report to them like hey this kid is treating me like this you know they're bullying me like this um so one time i remember um uh, During Boys and Girls Club, I I had a um, strawberry Nesquik milk that my mom packed in for me for after school, and I was super excited to be able to drink it. I go to my backpack and I see it being gone, and there was a kid that's like drinking it, and I'm like, that's obviously mine. And I remember, and I remember telling him like, oh, like that's mine, you know, like you took it from my backpack and he just kept denying and denying. And um, I remember telling my staff and she didn't believe me. And I think that she also struggled fully understanding what I was trying to say. And it felt so frustrating because I couldn't communicate what I really wanted to. And I remember just like, just being silent, you know, cause there was no other way that I could respond. Um, I couldn't find the best way to explain to her what the situation was how i was feeling and what this kid was sort of doing making me feel and why i was responding this way and so my response was just silence and i think that was is um you know there were no physical cues of um bullying but i think some even like that's physical yeah where i wasn't it was just so hard to have others believe in me, like what I was going through and and also just um, empathizing, you know, so it was just really tough. So I think starting from a young age, I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm so different. And like, I really need to change. Um, I, I, I need to um, be able to improve myself so that this doesn't happen again. And so I took a, a lot of it on myself. I took a lot of ownership on having to change my own life. I needed to get better at speaking English. I need to get better at making friends. I need to be able to embody this American culture more so that I would be less seen as foreign. And so I think that was the starting phases of Americanizing myself. The starting phases of dressing more American, of eating more American food. I didn't really want to bring any of the food my mom made for me for lunch, just because it smelled different, It looked different. It. Kids yeah. were like, ew, what are you eating, you know? Yeah. So, I really tried to Americanize in every way that I could. And so by the time that my family became citizens in fifth grade and I had the chance to change my name, I'm like, yes, I'm going to change my name. Are you kidding me? Of course, you know, so that was so I took I hopped on every chance to Americanize myself. And that was sort of, yeah, the, the origin of all that.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you talk about change and then you talk about getting better. And you use them interchangeably. Like, you know, I needed to change and I needed to get better. And it's one thing to say that we're changing for the better when we want to learn something like a language, but it's a whole other thing to just change when it's not necessarily, you know, an improvement It's just assimilation. It's to make life easier for everybody else around us. And there's nothing wrong with that either. It's about, it's, it's rooted in consideration. It's rooted in humanity. Right. Um. But it's interesting that there's, there's you, and then there's this message, really, it's a pretty intense message that when you're getting it, because you're getting it in these different forms and you're getting it from multiple places, not just from the kids. You're also seeing it at home. You're seeing it from people who you would think are the same as you, right? So you're seeing these different messages coming across and then you start saying to yourself, I got to make the effort. Like you said, you took ownership uh, of it on, on yourself. And these were the things you started changing was your, your dressing and your dress code and what you would eat. And then one thing kind of tends to support the other. What were then your, your validations? how did you start thinking or how did you start feeling better as a result of doing that?
1: Yeah. So feeling better in terms of, because I was changing myself, you were saying.
2: Yeah. Like what, what was, what was validating that you were doing the right things? Cause you felt a certain way before. And then you started changing things
1: yeah so definitely feeling accepted more by my peers because by the time that um so really quick when i was in um kindergarten i didn't speak english at all and i remember seeing the pledge of allegiance in like gibberish because again i didn't speak english but i was just told to like every morning stand up be able to say this um, pledge but I was or sort of speaking gibberish and my partners and my friends who were around me were just looking at me like what the heck is she saying you know but I wanted to I think that's a the one of the early memories of just wanting to be American so bad is I want to be able to learn how to say this pledge and so of course I worked on my English every day I worked really hard in all of my homework so that I can do well and get my grades up I also stayed after school with my teachers to try to get extra help. So there were so many things that I tried to implement just to be able to better cross the language. And as soon as I was able to speak English and uh, to be able to speak it well, that was when um, I was able to communicate with my peers and my teachers and my friends, and then that strengthened our connection as well. So I think that it wasn't. It wasn't like one thing that happened that changed all these, but it was many things that encompasses of you know, the transition of feeling foreign and different into solely gradually feeling I am American and I am accepted by my peers.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like phases its way in, right? It's not like one day you are and then the next day or one day you're not and then the next day you are. It's just like you're continuously, you know, moving along the line. And when was it so so you said that there was an opportunity for you to change your name? Tell us about that like when what that was that? and how did you make this decision and what did you decide to call yourself?
0: Yeah, so it
1: was right before my fifth uh, went right before I entered fifth grade, my family became citizens, and so we had the chance to change our names to an American name. And I remember feeling so excited because, I every time we had substitute teachers, they would like butcher my name on the attendance sheet. And it was just a reminder again of how different I was. My peers would also make fun of my name, um, Camlin, And they would just make all sorts of na- nicknames with that that I did not like at all. And so when I had the chance to change my name, I wanted to choose a very easy one. I wanted to choose a feminine one and an American one. And so that was where Katie came. And I remember there was um, a, a girl in my school who had the name Katie, and I liked it so much, I thought it was such a pretty name. And so that was where I got the idea to um, call myself Katie. And I don't think she actually knows this.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome.
2: um, so you're inspired, right? And, and you, you settle on Katie, and then you had a chance to choose an American name. So when you, when, you, when you do this, You're only in grade five at a time but look at the thought trina that goes into this right i actually had uh another name for myself once upon a time too as well that i would have changed it to if i could never did never did go all the way with it but i did have a name and and it is interesting you think about these things right you think about kind of like how it reflects on your personality how you see yourself versus you know uh, uh, any other reference point so you change your name and then just life was perfect after that right (laughs)
1: That's what I thought, right? (laughs) Well, I think that in the beginning when I changed my name, my my friends were like, wait, what? Like, you're Camlin? Like, why are... Who's Katie? Oh, wow. So to them, too. Yeah, so to my friends, too. It was like I had this different identity. I was like, yeah, that's my name now. I'm Katie. And to this day, I still have friends who continue to call me Camlin, And that was... That's because I grew up with them and they're also Vietnamese too. And so I you know, a- allowed that to happen. But after fifth grade, yeah, my friends started calling me Katie and um, everyone started calling me Katie too. And as soon as I entered middle school, there were only a few of my friends who followed me to middle school who knew actually of my real identity, Camlin. And then as as I progressed through the years, high school even less, barely any knew me knew that my original name was camlin and of course in college it was fully katie and so most of my friends now had no idea that i was born in vietnam that i my original name was actually camlin and not katie so that was sort of how my peers responded um to to all that
2: so as you're going through this you're obviously still aware that you're camlin and also katie at, at at what point in time did, did you always know it? Were you always was there a level of? I guess what I'm asking is, after going to Katie, were you now more comfortable, or was there another kind of discomfort now that there's two names, there's two identities? Like, what was what was what was the thought then?
1: Yeah, I think I had so much trauma from my ethnic name that as soon as I became Katie, I sort of just. Hit that name away you know I hid Camlin away I wanted to forget about it and I wanted to fully be Katie I wanted to be American and to fit in with this new uh, American name and so I truly think that I only lived one identity and that was just Katie but my family uh, I do have cousins who still called me Camlin and that preserved it. To this day, I have told her so many times that I appreciate her calling me Camlin so much because or else it, it would have been forgotten. It would have been um, non-existent now, but because there was still somebody preserving that name for me, it still had such a, I, I think my cousin Kim, by her continuing to call me Camlin, it reshaped the narrative of how I felt about this name, because my peers mocked it, teachers butchered it, and people who didn't know my name sort of you know, mispronounced it. And so all of those were like negative connotations, but my cousin who says my name in such a loving way, I, and she says it in, in a way that sparks very positive and warm emotions, I think that preserved my name, but also changed the narrative of how I felt about my name. That was sort of the shift between the identities. But for twenty years, I lived Katie. And again, my college friends, nobody knew about this. even like most of my high school friends, nobody knew about this. And so I felt kind of like a phony you know? like, but at that point, I'd already have been so Americanized that I no longer was like, "Oh, I feel like an imposter. I feel like I'm being somebody different." At that time, I fully was convinced that I am American, and, and I am American, but I never struggled with an, with an identity growing up, but it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I had an identity crisis. I have no idea where it came from, but here we are, you know, and that was what sparked the post. <laughs> of course, it was a few, I had been leaning, I had been thinking about um, the thoughts of my name for some time now and it was a lot of it is due to my interactions with my students so I work at a university and I work with a lot of international students who have their ethnic names um, and who change their names to American names to avoid bias to um, blend in to not have employers feel them as different. so that has also changed the way that I view my own name so things are yeah. Now here I am.
2: Can I ask you though? What was you? Um, just go back for one second. You know when you said you made the change, it sounds like you never talked to your friends about your intentions to change your name. You you announced it to them afterwards. Yeah. But it, and you know I, I'm just trying to picture this, Katie. Well, now I'm starting to call you Kate. So Camlin, I want to call you Cam. So when when you're sitting there. With your friends hanging out you talk about what are you going to do this weekend you talk about a movie or you talk about a song or you talk about clothing or whatever you talk about this is a big deal and you never talked to them about it you did it sounds like did you talk to anybody about it before you announced it to the world or to, to your parents when you made your decision
1: no no i did okay. not yeah That's i only amazing. talked about it to my mom i didn't even talk about it to my siblings Uh, It wasn't even
2: like a, what do you guys think? It's just like.
1: Yeah, I was, it almost felt like I just want to wake up one day and be Katie and and have the world like not know that I was ever Camlin. So like,
2: (laughs) that's, that's really interesting to me because like, yeah, because you just want to flip the switch and just be done with it. That makes a lot of sense. But what's interesting to me is that after you do that and you go back to your friends and you tell them now i'm katie and they look at you now like what what you're Candlet. and yeah. in spite of all the messages to change the name your friends are looking at it saying so you think like if you had talked to them about it and said hey i'm thinking about changing my name what do you think they might have said
1: well i think it was it's such a vulnerable conversation that surrounded my identity um because when i talk about changing my name I then would have to reveal why I'm changing my name. And I think that was just such a sensitive topic that brought up, you know, emotions of just feeling isolated, wanting to blend in and feel accepted by the group and feeling American. And so I think those were all such sensitive topics that I wasn't ready to talk about, even though they were my friends. And I think that at that age, I wasn't able to fully comprehend all of those things. And so to me, I just wanted an American name. I just wanted a name that, you know, would would help me feel like I was a part of the culture. Uh, and so I don't think that I really thought I really dug like deeper into the why's. It was just what I did and then why, you know, why did I want to do that, which was I like American names.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so thanks for explaining that. Um, so now you're, you're, uh, you, you go through life as Katie through, through college, university. Um, you're now a teacher. You said you had an identity crisis, an identity crisis and you didn't know why. But obviously now as you kind of start thinking about it, what were the first signs to you then that, you know, I'm not comfortable this way or, 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 or with this identity? Or what, what were the initial thoughts that kind of told you that something's not right? It doesn't feel right.
1: Yeah, so I'm currently a career coach um, and instructional designer at the university. And I work with, oh gosh, uh, our university is really big. We have over 40,000 students and a large majority of our um, population is very diverse. We service a lot of students who are international, but also come from um, multi-ethnic backgrounds too. And so, you know, due to the nature of my work, it surrounds me with students who are in need of feeling supported and who are in need of being celebrated for their um, diversity. And so I try so much to be able to leave space and room for my own students to be authentically themselves in terms when we are talking about career management and planning and what is your professional identity. Of course, a lot of the times it comes up You know, what are your passions and what does it mean to be somebody like you? What are some of your strengths? And so having those conversations with my students do facilitate thoughts about background and upbringing and, you know, their personal or familial identity. Having those conversations with my students has also opened up my mind, too, about my own upbringing and my name and my background. And I have a lot of students changing their names to be more of an American name so that they don't get Bias biases on you know their resume or their applications. And that also makes me think like I empathize with that. I changed my whole name to avoid biases and to avoid being stereotypes. And so I totally understand. But now, as an adult, um now that I have gone through all these lived experiences, i that brings back to memory of of my own experience, and that makes me really sad to think. So, mm-hmm now helping my students you know facilitating conversations around identity that has also brought back to me oh my gosh my own identity um and so when I think about changing my name it brings up feelings of you know just pain um that I had to feel like I needed to erase or whitewash my name and my culture so that I can feel accepted and I went the whole, through the whole process of changing everything, like all my documents, um, and wanted to just forget ever having a Vietnamese name. And that makes me really sad because now I'm very much involved in my Vietnamese culture and community, and I practice all of the traditions that we have. I am fluent in Vietnamese. I speak Vietnamese to my family. My mindset of my culture is just so different now. I remember growing up, I wish I was white, you know, like I would watch cartoons with all these white characters and um, Degrassi with all these white characters and just wish I looked like them. But now I can't imagine being anything other than Vietnamese. And I am just so proud of my culture and who I am and you know what my culture stands for and believes in. And so, and so I think that it has taken all of these experiences. It has required me to help other folks with their own journeys for me to come back to my own journey and think about what it meant to to actually change my name and my identity. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think you you point on a lot of a lot of things, Kim, in that because even though you're saying this from the perspective of a person who's immigrated from the other side of the world, literally the other side of the world, I know for myself, and then also in working with kids, I work a lot with kids, it, it, we still have those struggles even when we're here, right? So I remember I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. At the same age, you would have moved from Vietnam to, to America. And while I could still speak English, I remember strategically learning to drop my accent. Uh-huh. Because I was made fun of for, and I had certain vernacular that they didn't understand, and i I went to twelve schools, and I remember changing the way I dressed, how I operated, activities I did, you know, how boyish I was at some schools. so what you're you're speaking to, what you're working with your your students on, I feel like there's different um experiences and like, severity, for lack of a better word, is obviously not being able to speak English at all <laughs> and being put into an English-speaking country is a whole other level. But I feel like we all go through, especially through childhood and adolescence, because that's when we're looking at identity. That's when we're trying to formulate a sense of who we are and how we show up to the world. And I love the words that you're using, like authenticity, very yes, genuinely word and because when we show up authentically we're we're really socialized not to be authentic all because we're all trying to change ourselves to fit this socialized picture of what it is that we're to perceive to be so you as a as a, a new immigrant person or people that are already here everyone's still going through it it's just different levels of the same experience and i love that you're teaching this to your students because when they can, um, a lot of the times when we see vicarious trauma or compassion fatigue or burnout or other of these words for just professional malaise that happens, it's it's because people aren't showing up to the work worlds in an authentic way, right? They're not, they don't, they have that kind of like dichotomy that they separate themselves. And so I love what you're doing there because there's a lot of value to that. Because it's going to transcend not only their professional life but their personal life, and it's going to have ripple effects. So it's it's really quite powerful. I love I love hearing about that. Know,
2: um, you said something earlier when I asked you about why you know telling your friends. You says you said I, I, I didn't tell them because then I'd have to tell them why, you know, <laughs> I changed my name. Yeah, that got me. You now go back to present day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you finally had to address why you changed your name in the first place to be able to yeah. come to where you are today. Did you do that? That's like, that's so powerful to me to hear you talk about that. So can you talk a little bit about how you got over the the why you changed your name?
1: Yeah, so it is a thought that I have been thinking about for a long time now. It wasn't like, you know, I woke up one day and I Sit down my desk and start writing this LinkedIn post. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, Like it was not easy, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, Because it, I was like, what if I regret going back to Camlin? Because I loved Katie. Katie helped me survive. Katie protected me. You know, Katie helped me feel like I was a, a part of this American culture. And I have no resentment for that name. And if anything, I appreciate it for helping me survive and do what I had to do for uh, over 20 years Mm -hmm. and so you know that was where I I started thinking like what if I regret changing to Camlin and what if you know what are my peers gonna think what are my friends gonna think like oh my gosh I've made so many friends now like now I'm gonna have to like ask all of them to call me by a different name now, and yeah. prof- professionally too. What is that going to look like for my 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 online branding, my personal branding? I had been Katie Fam for the, the, my whole entire professional career. Um, I have work written under Katie Fam, and so it was all these thoughts about like, what are others going to think? What are how are my peers going to take it? you know, how is this going to p- affect my professional identity? But I I started transitioning little by little. I actually started using cam when I would be ordering food, uh, when I would be t- uh, ordering coffee, they're asking me what's my name, I would say cam. And <laughs> that really helped. But also talking about my thoughts of transitioning back to Camlin with my loved ones really helped. I talked about it with my my cousin who's closest to me. I talked about it with my partner. I talked about it with my best friend. And even more so, my staff, our team had a retreat. We were opening up sort of our stories. I took the leap of faith to share with all of them that my original name is not, my birth name is actually not Katie. And this was the first time that oh my gosh. in my peers um, that I was like, hey, I've been kind of lying. <laughs> you know, Not that I was lying, but there was something about me that I had never told any of you or none of you know about. And that this is my origin story. Um, and so that so talking about it with loved ones, and receiving all of the positive affirmations from that and hearing their support and them empathizing with my journey as a child and feeling like I had to change myself to to fit in and how desperately I wanted to be American and not an immigrant. So they were, they have all been so loving and fully supportive. That has truly shifted how I felt about my name because for once I felt like, oh my gosh, my peers accept me. They know my original name is Camlyn. They know I'm an immigrant. But they still are accepting of me, and mm-hmm. in again, for the first time that I didn't receive that growing up. you know, they were telling me my name was beautiful, and that was something I had never heard before from peers and so as soon as I received all the um outpouring support i I knew that like it was time, and the new year was happening, and I was just like. I want to start 2023 being authentically me. And I wanted to start it being Camlin. That was when I, you know, decided to sit down, write this post on LinkedIn. And oh my gosh. I was I was up I then started to work. And on my lunch break, I opened it up and I saw the amount of people who had responded to it. And <laughs> I was just like shocked. Like my my mouth was open, my eyes were wide. And just like speechless, I was I was like, who are all these people like that, that are liking my post and they're showing so much love and there are people sharing their stories like, hey, I have a similar story. I changed my name too. Or thank you so much for sharing with me your name. I love Camlin. I love Cam. And I just start bawling at work. And so here I am at my desk, like just crying. And so that was sort of how we how we're brought to today. So <laughs>
2: Well, isn't it interesting that, you know, as much as you had, you could tell the people who were close to you, your friends (laughs) and your partner, ultimately what it came to, and you said it yourself in your words, you said you had to take a leap of faith ultimately. And there's no faith without a leap of faith. It's always like, there's faith isn't kind of like halfway about something. It's like, it's always a leap. That's what faith is all about and you know to have faith in in what did you have faith what was the leap of faith about
1: that others will accept me for who i am no matter what name i call myself
2: and and for others to accept who you are what what first had to happen in in, in your, inside of yourself
1: before. I had to, yeah, I had to accept myself, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, that? Hmm. I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not the expert on this, but yeah, but it sounds like that's what the why was all about. Yeah, that, that, you know, we go from not accepting ourselves. It, it, you can call it being Americanized, but I find that synonymous with not accepting ourselves. And, and when I say Americanized, I mean, like, e- even when you talk, remember we talked about cliques and all that other stuff earlier, it doesn't have to be a country or a, or a race or a, or a color or anything. It, it has to do with, I think, just accepting ourselves first. And even while we were back home in Vietnam or while I was in Africa, there's a, a big question that needs to be asked is, did I even accept myself then? And if I had not accepted myself, and the proof is that I had not accepted myself then because I didn't even know who I was. And then when I finally got challenged with about who I am, my first response was that I didn't accept who I was because I didn't even know who I was. And then over the time that you start discovering yourself, that you are an intelligent person, you are a beautiful person, the Vietnamese culture is amazing, you know, and all that makes you what you are is full of love. Then you accept yourself, then everyone accepts that. Uh, American or whatever, it doesn't really matter after that. And I bet you when you got your responses, it wasn't just from Americans who you got it from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Trina shared that these were formative years. And that's exactly correct. Is when I was a child, you know, those were such fragile, vulnerable years. And that was when I truly feel like. The earlier we can start helping our children and kids and students build confidence, the better they can be so that they are resilient to these challenges. And so um, as an immigrant child, I didn't really have that support of folks telling me, oh, I love your name. I never heard that. Mm -hmm. I I never had that conversation of like with my parents, like, oh, how are you doing in school? You know, how are the kids treating you? Um, Again, there, my family was just going
0: through so much that being bullied at, and they do were like went through the identity stuff too. Yeah, right? if there was never a conversation about shifting from Camlin to Kia, yeah. and that everyone just did it to assimilate, then there's layers for that, right? Yeah, we did
2: <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of a question. Go ahead, finish your thought. I want to ask you something.
0: Oh no, go ahead.
2: Well, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. Like, your mom is a is a significant person in your life. She's yes. your your connection to your roots. Uh, I just listened to your 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 tone when you describe her from back home in Vietnam. What was her response when you did the name change? I forgot to ask you.
1: <laughs> she well, my family called me by a Vietnamese name, um, cool. and so so it didn't really do much of a difference uh, in terms of how my family called me, but. I remember telling her and she almost like it almost didn't hit her like I was like yeah mom I'm going by Camlin now you know and she was just like oh well you know you had always been that to me so it wasn't you know to her it wasn't really much of a a change. I explained to her that um, you know I wanted to embody my Vietnamese culture more and to be able to use this name that my family and, and her have given me and And I just remember seeing, felt like feeling a warm, just warmth coming across her and coming, you know, onto her. And she just smiled and she said that she's just proud of me. And I think that that was one of the experiences too that helped me feel like, wow, you know, like I can really do this. My biggest fear was um, what were my peers going to think? Because again, my family had already called me a Vietnamese name. But it was more like, what are my peers going to think? What are my colleagues going to think? What are my present and future employers going to think when they see my resume? My mom has just always been a constant in my life. And I really appreciate her helping me feel more connected to my Vietnamese culture.
2: Let's call it adversity or the trial that you've been through in terms of, you know, the name and the why... It's not just name. It's anything to do with our identity. It could be age. It could be anything. And people go through crises. We go through crises and then there's this kind of like breakthrough that happens. Right. But sometimes people don't take that leap of faith. You know, they get stuck on that ledge. You've been there, you very recently, and you could have decided to wait another year. You could have measured it a bit more, but you decided to jump. What do you, what do you say to somebody who's going through something where they're they're they want to sort of be more authentic. They are holding back on that leap of faith, and there's they're afraid about the same things that you talk about being afraid of, and it's real. Yeah, it's very valid. What do you what do you say to somebody who hasn't found the power yet? Where do you where do you give them their power from?
1: Well, my story is not to convince others to change back their names. You know, and it's crazy because some folks who commented on that post. They would say like, oh, wow, like I'm going to change my name back now or like, thank you so much. This has made me really put a lot of thoughts into consideration of like changing my name to an American name. And so I don't think my post was really meant to persuade anybody to take that leap of faith or to jump off that, that edge. But my story was merely to share you know, my own narrative of changing my name and now going back to changing back to my um, Vietnamese name. um, It was a story about taking ownership and feeling proud about my cultural background and heritage. And so it was more of here's my journey, this is what I've been through and this is why I'm changing my name. But I did have folks who felt very inspired by it. And so I guess for you know, what I would say to those people who perhaps are going through or have been through a, a, a um, similar journey as mine is be authentically you, whatever that means, and, you know, show up as yourself, as what Trina said earlier, so important. Um, definitely every space and person that you interact with deserves to see the real you and to be exposed to the real you and the the. And so take the, as much time as you need on whatever journey it is that you need to go on. Because if you, if you decide to keep your American name for the rest of your life, that's amazing as well. You are trailblazing your own path. You're doing things that are inspiring others too. And so I don't necessarily think that you do need to come back to your ethnic name, but if you do want to know that there are people who have gone through a similar journey as yours and who will support you, you know, this is sort of, it's not my persuasion for others to, to take that, to jump off the cliff or to take that leap, but to take whatever path it is that's calling to them. Um, Maybe their, maybe their journey is taking them down the scenic route of the woods and that's okay. Um, But my mind required me to jump and fly and that was what I ended up doing. (laughs)
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm not thinking that, you know, I'm trying to encourage anybody to change their name tomorrow or anything like that. It it has to do with authenticity, right? Like cuz even those kids that were bullying you, sometimes they were just bullying you because they themselves, you know, did not want to face their own their own authenticities. And that's quite often the underlying case with so many out there. And that's my mess. That's what I'm trying to get get, you know, to understand because you've been there The name part to me is actually like the theme or maybe like the context of it. But what you really went through was, you know, you know, knowing yourself and being okay, right with where you are right now, whatever the consequence of being authentic is, and I think that's important. I I think you wouldn't, you wouldn't say to somebody, no, carry on being disingenuous, carry on if you're not feeling genuine and authentic that's okay. That's not what you're saying, right? Like you're, you're saying, stay true, stay, go, go, go back, go back to being that. And so at some point in time, we can start with like, you can call it the low hanging fruit, you know, use it, do it here, do it there, try. But at some point in time, you cut the cord, right? Yeah. And you say, that's it. I'm not going back. Yeah. And I think that does have to be encouraged. Personally, I got to do it to myself all the time. You know, so that's why am when I'm asking you, I'm asking you for me, you know, like if I'm standing there, not sure whether I, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I'm comfortable here. I'm afraid it's not going to go well. Or I see signs that it's not being accepted. Do I stay the course? What, what can you say to encourage me at that time? Or what would you say to anybody to encourage them at that point in time? Or I should say to empower them at that time. Yeah. What
1: would you say? Most of your fears are internal. And I, I hear you, I see you, you know, where all those fears came from. And I wish I could go back to that little child version of you and tell you it's okay. And that your name is beautiful. And your story is beautiful. And you're different, but different is what makes you stand out. And, um, and so I I would say that, like, I, I hear you making that, Just making this change is going to be really scary. It is can be anxiety inducing because you don't know what the future is going to look like with you in this new identity of (laughs) embracing your old name. But everything's gonna be okay. You know, people around you love you and support you and they're going to learn how to say your name. And people who you have never met will learn how to say your name. And it's it's so powerful to be able to own your story and be who you truly are. And so, you know, this is gonna be a really exciting journey. And while there are some mix and crannies that we still have to figure out and, you know, there are some details still have left to hash out, it's all going to figure itself out. So as long as you start with you accepting yourself, embracing yourself, wanting to come home to yourself, everything will figure itself out.
2: Come back home to Vietnam. Oh, yes. uh, have you ever been home to Vietnam?
0: I have, yes. I <laughs> I have.
2: You ever go back to that marketplace and, and resonate? Uh, you did that, right? You had to.
1: I did, yeah. I did go back um, to the, the market that my mom used to work at. It was a strange feeling. It was almost like, you know, I, I don't feel like i fit into this place either <laughs> like i'm i'm so yeah you know, it's i have right. sort of had a hybrid identity now vietnamese american and so um going back to vietnam I, I truly do feel different there as well and so i truly think that you know now um this new my new generation of vietnamese american and my future generations it's going to be a mixture of quite a few things it does bring fond memories when I think about Vietnam. And I love that place so much. And anytime I talk out to, to anybody about traveling, I would always say like, you have to try Vietnam. There is just the food is amazing. It's just so culturally rich. There's so much old history that's there. The people are so fun, energetic, and it's such a beautiful place. And so I have a lot of fond memories and I'm very proud to be a Vietnamese. <laughs>
2: Okay. Final thought. Okay. And it's like, I got this Trina from that movie Kung Fu Panda, you know, like, it's like, why does it have to be that you're one or the other? Can't you be both? Like, can't you be all of it? So like in your present day today, Cam Lin with X years of being Katie, I mean, come on, look at, look at how amazing you are. You're all of it now. And would you say today that really... You're not American, or you're not Vietnamese. Can't you not be both? Can you not be all of it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And my partner has shared with me the same thing too. Is that hey, you're changing your name to Camlin, but you're still you. Yeah. Like just your name is changing, but you're still who you are. And so, and what makes you great. And so that you know that is for sure, and that definitely helped me embrace this transition too. You're absolutely right, Mohammed. I I am everything and you know all of that and I think that my name is of course you know my name is so important to me it's so powerful it's the first impression that people have of me it is what I am known for and called by but ultimately I am still the same person that I was before I changed to Camlin um, I'm still the person I was when I was Katie and I'm still the person that I was when I was uh first Camlin <laughs> um, yeah so my name is still has only been what has been have that I have labeled myself as but I'm still me
0: <laughs> and I think that's an important distinction to make is that I don't know there's a lot of focus on identity these days and I really and it's it's funny because the more complicated it gets the more simple it gets to for me at times and it's just really what it comes down to and it's we're not the qualifiers that life attaches to us Right? We're not our name. we're not our profession. We're not you know what I mean our achievement. you know gold medalist here achieve like whatever, like we're not these qualifiers. And it's really important to be able to understand that identity is is an internal thing. It's not an external. it's not an external
2: Sasha, you know what? It's funny about this is sometimes you find out who you are but finding out who you're not, you know and, and
0: right. And
2: you're like, okay, what am I, right? So, like, I have the same thing. When I go back to Africa, I speak Swahili, but they look at me and they're like, you're not African. And you know, as much as I have Indian heritage, I go back to India. No way. You don't belong here. Yeah. And then in Canada, it's like, well, you're not from here. And I'm like, who's from anywhere? Stop with all this. <laughs> not no longer, but certainly you get the cues, right? And people are people. They're, they're afraid, too. They're also grappling with their own authentic selves and their identities and their challenges and their fears. So it comes out, which is, it's their issues, not my issue. It's a lovely story that, and you tell it so, so caringly, so kindly that, you know, I can't wait to see like what the next sort of discoveries are going to be for Cam Lin and what she's working on to do next. Plus all these other people that you're helping with right now and what you do every day, that must be just like, like full out fulfilling, right? To do this. It's, it's like your calling.
1: Yes, yes, definitely, and that's part of the reason why I am transitioning my name is because I want to represent my API background and Vietnamese um, background. So there are not many um, career coaches who are Asian American, and so I do want to come back to my name so that moving forward I can pave way for more of our API um, friends that know are also feeling like they need to change their name to fit in or to be professional that is sort of and what has also sparked me in wanting to change my name is is that i you know want to make more space and room for um A- api coaches career coaches to exist
2: <laughs> thanks for joining us today ken Lin. any last thought or last words on how we're doing today and your experience here
1: this has been such a wonderful experience that has taken me back into time and then helped me be in the present and also think about, you know, what my future holds. I just appreciate the space to be able to share about my story. So thank you so much, Trina and Mohammed, for allowing me to share my immigrant story, which I know is not unique. I know so many folks who have gone through a similar journey as mine. But I hope that yeah, anybody who listens to this, whether they have changed their name or are thinking of changing their name that i i hope this facilitates some reflection and for them to also think about uh, their upbringing and who they are and i hope that this encourages them to be authentically themselves and uh, so that's that's all that i hope from having this conversation and i really appreciate for this space <laughs>